Hey, everybody. I'm Daryl Scott. And I'm Gabe Casey. And this is the Throne Wrenches podcast, the auto podcast that always buys the extended warranty. On this episode of Throne Wrenches, Ford scales back production in the Midwest during the summer months. Volkswagen has a spark of genius with a familiar model name coming back to life. Elon waxes poetic with predictions of his future wealth reached deep into the stratosphere. All that and more on this episode of the Throne Wrenches podcast. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we really appreciate you uh, spreading the word about this here podcast. You can like us on Facebook. You can share it with, uh, I don't know, put a billboard out on the busy street corner somewhere. You can do whatever. Shout it from the rooftops. Or you can just hit us up and let us know how we're doing. We're at info at throwinwrenches.com, and uh, you can post a review on iTunes and be heard around the world. That would really make everybody... Much happier, right? Those iTunes reviews. Globalization, it's great, yep. That's right. We're going to take over the world one podcast episode at a time. As we had in episode 63, the last show, uh, I'm Daryl. You normally hear me. Gabe? I'm still Gabe, yep. I'm still filling in for Eric, and I'll be here for undisclosed amount of time at an undisclosed location. And we are in an undisclosed, like, underground bunker at this point. It's a really swanky bunker, though. It's, I like what you've done with the place. The giant Legos really make it bomb-resistant. Hey, I'm all about Legos, and you know what? There's a, a wall of Legos behind me that the bricks are probably, what, a foot long by yeah, two feet? Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I, I don't measure. If it didn't take so much physical labor to play with them, I would play with them, but it looks like a lot of work, actually. That'll be on the post-shows, folks. Yeah, yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of work involved. And that voice you hear on the other side of the table, well, that's none other than our four-timers club member, newly minted four-timer, and longtime friend of the show, Mr. Regan. Thank you. Thank you. It's well, great to be back. Yeah, welcome. Yes, thank you very much. So uh, this is my favorite podcast. Thanks. Uh, is it the only podcast you do? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I love being here. I love the the banter. Um, you guys are right on par with where I think uh, car talk should be these days. So it's an honor to be here. A little irreverent, a little inaccurate, and a lot of fun. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. Well, and Regan, of course, being an automotive industry insider, we value your opinion and uh, we'll definitely uh, uh, call on your expertise here later in the show easy on the expertise is it is it a strong <laughs> word yeah <laughs> well it's a big word to throw out there no we do we do appreciate it and and you know what's fun regan uh we talked in the pre-show hint hint patreon if you're not a member uh supporter of the, of the program you can get a little exclusive content pre-show content's kind of fun because it really is the uh i don't know unscripted it's yeah not off the cuff it's not off the rails no no, it was still very much in the rails. Yeah, but in in your wheelhouse, we actually still talk about automotive stuff. What the heck were we talking about that was weird in this uh, episode? We talked about all the things Daryl was complaining about. Oh, we talked about chin spoilers. Yeah, kind of a bit of a rant. <laughs> chin spoilers on Mopars. Yeah, we did some uh, voting, old school style. That was fun. Yep. Yeah, the loud cars. We brought up loud cars. Basically being old men. Crash yes. old men. Yeah. Yeah. But no, Regan and Gabe actually set me straight on some stuff. So it's, it was a good listen. Uh, we'll probably, I don't know, maybe we'll put a poll out there on uh, on Facebook and kind of mm. see what the public has to That's say. That's a great idea. Yeah. Make them put down how old they are when they answer. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> List your, what was the old school? Like, ASL. ASL. Age, sex, location. Yeah. No, Hicks. Uh, 
I will say this. I will say uh, there is a lot to be said about social media. Getting answers to all of your life's questions, probably not the best place. <laughs> Just talk to an old person. They will actually, they'll have a lot more knowledge. Forget what social media says. All right, so for those of you, speaking of old people, uh, who don't know uh, my co-host here, well, let me tell you a little something about Mr. Gabe Casey. You know, when opportunity knocks, my co-host opens the door and says, what do you want? He's got no fear when it comes to taking on new projects in the garage or around the house or around someone else's house. You know, he's the one who you call when you're in a jam and you need a fixer, you know? He's also the guy who happens to have a delicious sub sandwich on hand in case a friend stops by to record a podcast and, say, forgets to eat dinner that night. He's the king of cold cuts. He's Mr. Gabe Casey. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, know. thank you, everybody. No, no, sit down, please. Here we go. I didn't know sandwiches were involved. Well, that was before you got here. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, there's more. If you're if you're well-behaved, we have a post-show sandwich for you. Yeah, post <laughs> Hashtag fourth meal. Right. <laughs> and if you don't know my co-host, Daryl Scott, well, let me tell you. Some call him Mr. Short and Sweet, but they don't know him well. He's both eloquent as he is long-winded as he is tall. <laughs> when Eric true. and others don't cut him off mid-sentence, that is. He's Daryl Scott, and that was only 37 words. <laughs> Did you did you get some advice? That's some, awesome. some writing, creative writing. Uh, advice? There, may, there may have been something in the post show that uh, prompted that. Maybe That's good. That Maybe both. Awesome. And I hit most of the words I wrote down. Excellent, excellent. Well, and Regan, you're a guest, but we went ahead and wrote an intro for you oh, because that. that's just how we roll. And uh, I'm just. I'll, I'll, do you want? Do you want to take the honors? Oh yeah, that's fine. I guess I wrote it, so I have to own it, right? <laughs> you, so it, it's always easier to read your own writing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Most so. Of the time. So again, uh, uh, thank you for being on the show, Regan. And if you all haven't listened to uh, Regan's three other appearances on Throwing Wrenches, you may have heard him rumbling down the road in his new, quotes, Model A. What drives this man? Clearly to take the... <laughs> to compete for the most frequent guest on the Throwing Wrenches, as he's now tied with Mr. Casey at four. That's me. <clears throat> Soon to be the king of both the podcast, boats, and Toyota knowledge, Mr. Regan. Oh, boy. He's got a nice new forerunner, so Thank he knows you. some things. Thank you for the honor. Yes, it's an honor. So so after the fourth, I become a host. Is that, is that how this works? I don't know. I hit fourth, and then I got the uh, hustled promotion or stand-in or whatever you'd call it. And yeah. uh, then I think I'm going to be demoted in the near future. Yeah. So well, we'll see. Well, it's, it's, it's an honor to be here. This is the second time I've met, in, met, met Gabe. Uh, yeah. So this is amazing. It's great to uh, get to wrap cars with him and uh, everything I thought it would be. Yeah, we got to go out to dinner before ta- yeah. this time. We were a little fancy. Uh, I took him out in a, a Rivian. That was fun and showed him yeah. my messy garage. So we're, yeah. we're best and, friends uh, now. And we got some garage talk to uh, be had later, I think. Absolutely. Yes. And he's going to get me a key to his cabin. So that's fun. I didn't hear that in the pre-show. Oh, yeah, oh that might have been yeah, in my head. That's I okay. might have. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I think that's... Uh, we'll play that back. What's right. that jump to conclusions game? <laughs> no, uh, I will say this, too. While I was setting up, you guys got the nickel tour, and I don't think you're going to find too many other places they are going to have a nice collection of vintage German stuff. Two wheels, four wheels, three wheels. <laughs> I guess <laughs> right? you do have a three-wheeler. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, a vintage 20s American car, and then also... Modern Rivian magic, whatever that is, out in the driveway, uh, and then some JDM material. Yes, the uh, the exposure to the vehicles is eclectic. Yeah, the, the the collection that you have, yours and not yours, is amazing. The access to what you have is, it's, is cool. It, it's yeah. almost like I don't have a plan and I just throw stuff together. <laughs> this um, is, this I, is what happens when you don't work in the industry and you can enjoy your hobby. You actually don't. Get, it's not ruined. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, they they tell you, you. You two are both examples of that. Never do what you love because you'll end up hating it. Right. 
I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but I, did, I have heard the saying. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but no, it definitely takes away from it. It takes the, you have to give some of your passion away. Yeah, and there's always get, sacrifice. And you get to keep yours. So, yeah, there's for now. to be said for that. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Uh, one of them being a longtime sponsor, Fort's Toyota of Pekin. You can find them in beautiful North Pekin, right off 29 and Radio City Drive, uh, Auto Row. You can check them out, toyota pekincom for sales, service, new, used. Check them out. They usually have a nice selection of trucks and forerunners sitting right out front there that, uh, you know, like a tractor beam. You're driving along, and then, oh, what's that? It's just, happened to you. Yeah, it actually happened to you. It did. It did. And now I'm a proud Tundra owner. So check them out. Give them a shout. They know how to maintain your vehicle and your investment for years to come. Parts, sales, service, what have you. Um, toyota pekincom 15 minutes from anywhere. And we normally thank me, and I have nothing to plug, so you're welcome. I still pay money to this show. You got your YouTube channel. <laughs> I do. I have a YouTube channel, and uh, I need a new name for it because I named it Gabe's Garage. Yeah. And uh, I would like to hear a better name for it because there's already a Gabe's Garage, and uh, he's much more subscribers than me. <laughs> he can't be as cool. Yeah, So, and I don't want to have to tell people I'm the non-Latino Gabe's Garage because it just... <laughs> I'm the Come different, on. I'm the other yeah. scratch. Yeah, the crappy one. No, no. That so, could be a whole topic or episode right there. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, I'd like to post primarily automotive-related videos, but I don't know, I might do some other random stuff on there. If anybody has a good idea, you know, my name's Gabe Casey. I like cars. Shoot them at info at throwingwrenches.com. Right on. Yeah, nice solicitation there. And uh, we'd also like to give a quick thank you to our Patreon members. You help make this program possible. You've helped us... Uh, grow add some new microphones this new mixer which you know does a bunch of cool stuff like that and allows us to make a better product we think so we truly appreciate your support and also a quick shout out to eric and all the other members of the stall family who are most likely listening although maybe eric's forcing them to listen i don't know what the situation is but hopefully everybody is in good uh, good spirits and we do wish them well you can follow along planetstall.com for what's going on in their world and uh, wish them nothing but uh, positive things and uh, health healing and all the good things in the future Absolutely. And now on to Eric's favorite part of the show. Did we get any reviews, Daryl? <laughs> we actually did. And I think he shared this because he's been stockpiling this. He's kept this up his sleeve. We actually did get a review. Truth be told, we actually did hear from one of two Google Podcast listeners. We always mention like Google Podcasts or Spotify. We're like who's listening to stuff on Google Podcasts? Two. There are two subscribers on there. What well, if we listen right from the website? That's what I always did. Yeah, then it's not counted. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's counted, that, but it's... what I did, too. So, yeah. yeah, so we don't we don't count, really. So, so shut the website down. We'll just, we'll just power <laughs> it down, save money. Uh, this came from um, the guest speaker, and it was posted to iTunes back in late May. And the title of it is Name a Better Podcast. And it says, automotive content can be redundant and stale, but Eric and Daryl do a great job of bringing a fresh perspective that just isn't regurgitating zero to 60 times in other stats. That would be kind of boring, wouldn't it? Uh, with eclectic guests, like Regan, uh, and fun segments, like, you know, every segment, uh, and a healthy bit of impractical banter, throwing wrenches will not only keep you engaged, but you might actually learn a thing or two. Worth every one of these free five stars I'm giving them. <laughs> Trust Eric and Daryl to keep you entertained way more than Joe Rogan will talking about aliens. That uh, could be fun, too. Besides, they may be the only thing standing between Elon and total world domination. Wow. Thank you. The only thing keeping Elon down is Eric maintaining the moment of Musk. That's what it is. I would be terrified to find out that Elon listens to this podcast. He probably has one of his minions do it. 
and I'm I'm just waiting to get some sort of legal document in the mail one day and be like, you know, shut everything down. Or a job offer. Hey. Mm-hmm. Although you too can have a fifty thousand dollar house in the desert, Daryl. Right. <laughs> Actually, it sounds appealing right now. Or Although, ride a rocket. I could ride a rocket yes. to work. Uh, well, thanks again for that post. We will, uh, if you hit us up, infothrownwrenches.com, the guest speaker. We will gladly drop a couple stickers and send them out your way. All right, so uh, we're going to move and shift gears here. We're going to talk about projects, and I know Regan, you've been working on uh, what what year exactly? Model A pickup. I have a 1931 Ford okay. Model A pickup truck. Yeah, I've mentioned it on some of the other uh, episodes that I've been on, and it's been, uh, I don't know, the bane of my existence, I guess, <laughs> in the, in, as far as my car hobby goes. My wife was nice enough to remind me that I've owned this car for 14 years. Whoa. 14. Yes. So, Did yeah. you bring it from California when you moved back? It's been, yeah, it's, it's crossed the country. Uh, I've taken this thing apart and put it back together four times in lieu of moving. Uh, my goodness. And, and job transfers. But, uh, but yeah, finally. Finally, we drove it. It's Labor been, of love. And, and for folks who are just joining us, this is kind of a traditional hot rod build, like period-style hot rod. Thank for you for part. saying that, yes. Uh, public would refer to it as a rat rod. Uh, me okay. being the uh, hot rod connoisseur that I am, I, I, ref- I, I prefer to call it a traditional style build. I'm not that low, people. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, no, it's, uh, it's an unfinished Model A body, just like I found it. But uh, we did the framework. We did the suspension work. It's got a hot little 400 in it with a T5 transmission and a 9-inch rear end. And it's very loud. It does burnouts. And uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's completely obnoxious, useless, scary, unsafe unnecessary inefficient inefficient but well we could argue that yeah but uh but no it's uh it's it's fun though but does it spark joy exactly yes it does that's the point that i've made so many times in the show that having a car doesn't have to be about getting from point a to point b and hearing regan talk about this car is exactly the opposite of that and i love it thank you yeah well i i got re-inspired from one of my neighbors who has a model a uh sedan and I, I had to watch my wife drive away in that car one day. And uh, not that I have anything wrong relationship-wise with my wife, and my neighbor is a great friend of mine. Sure, but, sure. But if anybody saw his best girl get taken away in a hot rod. That was it, man. Yeah, you get your ass like, back in the garage and you put that thing together. I'm gonna, <laughs> I, that's the motivation. Yeah. You know what? Maybe, maybe was it planned? Was it one I don't of those know. things? It like, could have been. Watch this. I'm gonna... It could have been. Yeah. It could. Yeah. The Model A is always greener on the other side of the fence. That's <laughs> well said. Yeah. <laughs> now is his traditional? Hot oh, his is well? very much more traditional than mine. His has paint and everything, and okay. and uh, but still the same concept. It's uh, big and skinny wheels with uh, you know a hot small black Chevy, and you know it's a hot rod. Yeah. Still, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah. It's don't don't ever let your your best girl get taken away by the other guy. You know? No. Get yeah, in the garage. Hot, get, hot get in rods the garage. and motorcycles, don't let them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Get in the garage, get your get your button gear, get that thing running, and you take your best girl out for a ride. Yeah, That's good. Uh, that's It's good motivational speech for those who might need it, who have some projects in the garage. You and find I'm, motivation in weird ways, weird yeah. places. It just pops up, and wow, it, that credit card just burned a hole in my pocket, and we got that sucker back on the road. <laughs> so all it took was a bunch of money. You didn't it's have really, to work That's really it. what it took. <laughs> got on the phone, called Honest Charlie. And just mail ordered the rest of what you needed. I got a stack of stickers from Honest Charlie to prove it. <laughs> you know, we were down in uh, Chattanooga uh, last summer on the way home from Florida. We stayed overnight there. Beautiful city. Uh, just be careful where you stay. Um, but I will say that speed shop is so cool. 
I've never been there personally. It'd be awesome. Yeah, it's neat. That whole block is full of neat stuff. And there's some vintage iron running around Chattanooga. Like every other car is like an old cool truck or an old hot rod or 50s something with like, you know, the patina look to it. And uh, definitely worth checking out. And if you need tires, Coker is right right around the block. There you go. Is it the same company? I think it's owned by the same person. Um, uh, His name leaves me at the moment. But, I mean, I have a set of Firestones that came from from that same facility. I'm still running bias play, Firestones on my truck. I mean, is there any other option? Like, if you have a vintage car, isn't it Coker Tire or find an old used tire that yeah, will stink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it. Yeah, so. Diamondback's the other one, but I think their radials, they make look like older style white walls or like the pie crust slicks mm-hmm. and stuff, but they're they're spendy. Yeah. Um, but so is everything now, so who cares? Just live your life, get that credit card, like you said, and get her done. Um, Gabe, you actually have been up to some stuff too as well. I know we just recently recorded a show. It seems like we're right on the heels of that. Uh, I think before the show, you even said like we need to get out in the garage and make something happen for our project segment. But yeah, I was going to pretend to work before we started recording. But did, <laughs> did you do anything? No. Okay. No. no Projects wise, so I made a commitment is mainly what I've done, Daryl. And I haven't talked to you about this before. So we talked about the seventy one BMW. I did a little work myself, and then I took it into the shop, and I just wanted. A new rear tube put in because it looked like a pain. I've never done it. Whatever. I'll pay the 100 bucks. It's I don't care. And then it had an oil pan leak, which I didn't notice until I took it in. And I was like, mm. well, just look at it and, like, don't necessarily even fix it, but confirm. It looks like an oil pan leak. It's not like it, it – you can tell when that's leaking, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you can quote me for it at least and tune it up a little. Well, the tune-up turned out to be the biggest issue because apparently these carburetors are just jacked. So this thing has the dual carbs on each side. And the original carburetors are extremely expensive if you can find them used. Are they Weber's? Um, Bing's. Oh. Or, or I think it's old enough to be a Bing. Even weirder. Yeah. And more rare, yeah. Right. And so he said they're, they're warped, and one of the previous owners has also taken out the choke adjustment, so there's no choke on them anymore, and the throttle cable was sticking in there. and Because he told me... <laughs> I had a miscommunication with the guy at the shop. He texts me Friday night, and I'm really excited to get this bike back. I'm excited to take my kids around the block in the sidecar. Um, we had a local festival. I maybe wanted to take it to the car show and show it off. You know, I just got this thing going. Check it out. Um, and so he's like, hey, it needs some carb work. We can talk about the options when you come in. Um, but it's ready to ride in the meantime. I took that as it's ready to be done and picked up. <laughs> so I actually went and tried to pick it up on Saturday when the owner of the shop was there, but none of the mechanics were there. And that was a no-go. <laughs> didn't uh, didn't want to idle. It didn't want to start at all. Uh, it didn't want to start at all. Yeah, I got the, I got the fuel lines turned on, and I you know, I primed the carburetors, and I'm giving it some gas, and then like the throttle, um, it's like it's turning too far, and like the actual sleeve or whatever slipping on the throttle, which was probably had to do with the throttle sticking. Um, I ended up the owner's like, oh, I'm gonna give you a push start, and you pop the clutch, which I'd actually never done in my life before, and I'm like, all <laughs> right, whatever. So we popped the clutch, and it started in second, and then I, as soon as you pull the clutch, it die. Um, and then he's like, well, I'll, I'll tow you around and you could try it. So oh we hooked, <laughs> we hooked, we got a tow strap and he put the tow strap on the, uh, the bracket holding it to the sidecar. Oh, no. And, uh, he pulled me around his little dealership here in Morton while I'm popping the clutch and trying to get the thing running. And then I got it going in second and then it died and I took it down to first. I tried it in first and I just, we just couldn't keep it running. This wasn't happening. No. So we just pushed it, pushed it back inside <laughs> and, called it, and called it a day. Yeah. Um, so I went back in Monday morning, talked to uh, my mechanic who was very displeased with me that we'd had a communication issue and it wasn't ready to go. And I tried to pick it up without talking to him, but 
he got over it. It's fine. I told him, I was like, I'm not mad at you. Are you mad at me? He's like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. Because these guys work on what they want to work on. They don't work on what a customer brings in and somebody tells them to work on. You know, they've yeah. earned that this, kind of this position. This is a personal thing to him. Though. Yeah, exactly. Because if, if you it's bring in a bike find. and they don't want to work on it, they won't work on it. They're like, yeah, we're not interested in that job. Exactly. Um, and so they've been great with the two BMWs I've taken them so far. Um, but we worked it out. And then I, I was like, you know, what do you think for the carburetors and stuff? Because obviously that's the big issue. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I just get, do you care about it being period correct? I said, for this one, no. Like, it's mostly original. Um, but again, it's been monkeyed with a little bit, it sounds like. And I just want a good running bike I can toot around town on. So he recommended some aftermarket ones. So I told him, I said, you know what? I'll just go ahead and get all this stuff. I'll do the carburetors myself, and I'll do the oil pan gasket myself. And he's like, yeah, you could do it. That'll be easy. I'll even tell you how. So last night I ordered two new carburetors, full kits that are just they to just slap on there just the throttle cables and stuff like that nice and then a new gas or a new oil pan uh gasket so those will be shipped hopefully soon and i'd like to be up and running by that car show on the 25th but we'll see that'd be awesome it's fun yeah what, what type of carburetors did you get uh, like macuna yeah macunis okay yeah yeah the funny thing is it seems like anything with multiple carbs whether it's a you know, an older car, old British car, Japanese car, bike. Uh, it seems like somewhere along the line, somebody's messed everything up. And I don't know why. I mean, obviously, carbs are specialized. Some of them, you know, require a little more finesse than others. But it seems like when you add more than one carb into the mix, nine times out of ten, somebody's been in jacking stuff, swapping parts around, or, you know, they replace one because something goes bad in one, the other one's original. It just... It, it gets tricky, and that's why I think fuel injection has such a great appeal for, like, hot rodders or for, you know. Um, it's so easy. It's just bolted on. Set it and forget it. Set it and forget Like a Showtime rotisserie from yeah. Bronco. <laughs> but but carb balancing is an art form. I mean, I wish I had that skill or had learned some from somebody. I mean, hopefully somebody out there is still learning that art form, and I mean that sincerely. It's not yeah. Yeah. It's not a technical skill. It's literally an art. It's balancing the carburetor, the air, the flow. That's what ratio I, and I do worry about that for for that very reason because there are ones that are you know nice restored versions or something. Does your fifty five have dual carbs? Yeah, yep. It's got the original bings. So, and that runs great, right? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I don't know. Maybe some of the skills you learn here, you know, setting and tuning. And, and that's what I told him. I said, you know what? I could bring all these things into you and have you work on it. But this one's not in good enough shape that I'm worried about working on it myself. And if I'm going to be into these bikes. I just need to learn how to do it because I've got two of them now, you know, and you're not going to be around forever. They're at least in their mid forties, you know? So what have they got? Maybe another 20 years. I'm a little bit younger, I guess. So yeah. 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 No, I I applaud you. And that is good to have, you know, people always say, well, you haven't, we have one just like it. Why do you need, why would not you get a different type of bike or something like that? Well, you have one that's nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one I can use more. And you you, you kind of toy around with. And it. throw the kids in. Yeah, and they don't have to worry about them kicking that's it awesome. or something. Yeah, and one that you can learn the art of carburetor balance. Exactly. So maybe the next time we're on the show, I can tell you how to do it. I would love to hear about it. Yes. It'll be like a canvas, and I'll teach you how to stroke the brush across. Like Bob Ross. I love that, yes. Happy, happy little McCooney carburetor. <laughs> Instead of Jay Leno having uh, a YouTube video of the guy he hired that <laughs> yeah. is 85 years old and is the only living person that knows how to do it. And... I brought this guy in from Czechoslovakia, and he's one of four people in the world that knows how to do anything about this. <laughs> yeah. Right. That yeah. was an amazing Jay Leno impression. It, it he does some pretty good impression. Yeah. yeah. It used to be better. I enjoyed it. I did like, <laughs> I did, you, did you watch the Jay Leno during the pandemic where it was just him? 
and it was just like him with like a little GoPro in his car. No, no. they were even better. They were because he was there was less of the facade or the yeah. the showman. It was just like here's me in an old Corvair I bought for ten grand, and it was just so much more enjoyable than like. I brought this guy in from whatever. <laughs> Who's the guy who does all the JDM stuff? I don't know. Uh, he, he, that's where I saw the Century, and I geeked out over the Century. Uh, Not Dun- Duncan Imports or something, or they Japanese classic cars. Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. Or, uh, but he he's had him on several times since then. He had an old uh, the old four door um, Bluebird uh, Skyline, like mm. a '69 oh. or whatever. Oh wow! And he's like, "Yeah, we're getting this car ready to sell," and he's. It was a good interview, but the whole time I'm like, "You're just trying to sell this car. You're not like an, you're not like an aficionado, you know." Because like Jay would ask him, "What about this? How many remain?" He's like, "I don't know. I have to look that up. I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but I can tell you this car is going to be up for sale." Hey, that's like half of my YouTube content, though. It's just <laughs> me starting and showing a car because then I can link it on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> that's a great idea. Time, time and pretty place. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, time and place. Uh, yeah, no, I got the uh, I got the carburetors from a Rocky Point Cycle, which is like I guess a BMW specialty shop out of uh, Massachusetts. So we don't have an ETA. We'll see. I'm hopeful. Okay. And there. then uh, the only other thing I did was I tried to get the tires off of the split rims or the two part rim on my Chrysler. Got a pry bar set. Uh, had a heck of a time. Even after getting one of the rings out. Um, like the support ring that keeps it in, trying to push the tire through, uh, I about took my arm off. I like scratched my arm right where there's two veins oh, yeah, I see extremely it. quickly. Like if it had been a little bit deeper, I'd have just been bleeding out in my garage. He, he um, is actually injured. I can see him. Yeah. I mean, it's like a surface scratch, but it, after it happens, your heart just skips a beat and you go, what if? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that a common thing in shops though? Injuries from like mountain tires, dismounting tires? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's still, it's still, well, it's not like it used to be. I mean, the heavy truck guys will definitely have something to say about that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's with... The help of companies such as Jim, John Beam, and Hunter, yes, Hunter. it's it's gotten a lot more automated, even yeah. if you will. But uh, but for what Gabe's working on, there's no machine for that. That's, no, that's there's no helping physical, what I have. Yeah, that's physical <laughs> labor. It's called and, brute force and uh, ignorance. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm a 27 Chrysler. It's running inner tubes on a real narrow steel rim that's wood spoked. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yes, and so, but it's a solid rim, and so I don't think it's technically, I don't know if Regan knows about this, like a split rim, because a split rim will actually separate, and you can use a puller to pull the rim in. So like all the old Fords, the Model A's and T's that I know of, you can get like a three-point um, like turn screw, and it'll go on three parts of the rim, and you crank it in, and it'll take the pressure off the tire, right? Uh-huh. And then you can take it off. And that's dangerous, because if it slips or when you're inflating it, obviously that rim, everything can shoot out and spread. But this just has like a metal lip that hammers underneath the metal rim that's all solid and the lip isn't actually it doesn't connect so i mean i don't think it can shoot out we'll see (laughs) it's before steel belted radials and well way before that but also before they had like a bead yeah that was that's the bead that you're breaking yeah no and the the tire i don't know how long these tires have been on there but it's got like a it's got like a metal uh like a cord all the way on the inside on one side. Because uh, I tried to cut this tire in half to get it off. And I literally <laughs> yeah, had wow. to switch um, from my wood blade on my Sawzall to the metal and to get through that. But I can't get the last piece that's underneath. And it's like these tires are stuck to the rim. Because they could have been on there 30, 40 years. Yeah. I don't know. They could be super old tires. So we'll see. That's been a task. I'm like one and a half tires in. <laughs> and I just left it in my garage. And there's a huge mess. And there's rubber shards on the floor from where I'm cutting into a tire. <laughs> If anybody's tried to mount their own tractor tires at home, you know the you know the struggle. <laughs> and when you get something that's tiny like that, 
that can be that can be a pain. I hope I hope you're able to get them. Yeah, I think I'm going to wait until after the heat wave. So for those of you who are elsewhere in the country, Good it was idea. like yeah, it was like 97 ish today. Feels like 108 at the peak. So I didn't even open the garage for the most part. No, nah, I don't blame you. Not a good day to be outside working. What's Daryl working on? Well, I uh, because of the heat. That's that's the reason. Uh, I'm just not working on anything right now. <laughs> um, actually, it's that's because I've got a bunch of other stuff going on. I'm still trying to work through my basement. Shower got installed, so there's that. So hopefully, in the next ten years, I'll have a functioning bathroom downstairs. But uh, when I'm not working on that, um, I actually need to get on uh, the interior work on my '55 Cadillac Fleetwood talked a little bit about uh, getting the carpets cleaned and headliner and uh, door panels, leather treatment, stuff like that. I still have to do the seats where the, uh, my little mouse invasion, I had, the car was in storage, storage, I say, it was <laughs> sitting in a garage in a house with questionable stuff thrown around it and kind of a hoarding situation. Um, and it's in a much better place now, folks. It is. It's in a, it's in a car hoarding. <laughs> There's no hoarding, yeah. Garage. Um, different kind of hoarding. A little yeah. different. But uh, mice had actually kind of chewed at some of the cotton padding and the uh, um, foam and the burlap on the back seat where they had a little nest. And anybody that's pulled anything out of a barn or an old storage unit or lived in the country, you know you've dealt with some mice stuff over the, over the years. It's not fun. Mm. Sometimes you get lucky. Not a big deal. This is a little bit... I did get lucky because the actual leather and the nylon seating surfaces the, from the outside look great. It's the underside where it's going to be a problem. And I could just probably stuff some stuff under there and call it good. But I worry that the first time somebody seats, sits on those seats after they're all clean and they're pristine and they look nice, that old seating stuff is going to split because there's no support underneath it. So. I need to just figure out what I'm going to do with that. I'm probably going to take the leather seat covers off and uh, try to repair it ourselves and fail miserably and then just take it to, like, Ernie's Fulton Top and just pay them whatever they need to actually fix it the right way. Yeah. Um, so that is on my agenda. I need to wash and wax my stuff. I, I haven't waxed a single car this year. It's June. Usually the dailies that sit outside, I usually try to take care of those. I haven't done that. So I feel neglect. Uh, I feel like I'm neglecting my my children in some way shape or form you are Uh, i am uh and then brakes on the solera i bought the car two years ago um i knew it had either some air in the lines or possibly a weakish master cylinder as the uh you know your hallmark mashed potato brakes but they still stop and i've had a couple panic stops and i haven't had to change my shorts so i you know it's fine for me but it's to the point where my wife is like probably need to do the brakes <laughs> i have all the parts i've got everything from like the e-brake hardware i mean i mean you wow. name it i've got everything master cylinder I've, i got a new one of those i just need to take like two days off work and just go through it and do it have it's you done pads i don't want to get too technical on this show but Not have yet. you done pa- just start with that because maybe just picking up the slack in the hydraulics from the amount of pad wear yeah. might make a big difference it might not be as bad as you think i have a feeling the backs are probably shot probably way out of adjustment yeah that's going to take up a lot of your it's going to make the pedal feel spongy as well yes. the travel yeah i might i might start with that because to be honest cars have got 134,000 on it and it you know mechanically is well taken care of cosmetically it's another story but um i thought it looked fine i might well, it looks pretty good no well, thanks i might i might get lucky so we'll see but i'll take some time maybe start, start with the easy stuff start what i'm saying but you know what he's already bought all the parts why not do it all I could still sell it or something. Or okay. Yeah. yeah. Daryl Scott could sell something. You heard it here first, folks. As a mechanic <laughs> by trade, once you open the hydraulic system, you're dedicated. 
If you don't have to, then don't do it. That's what I'm saying. That's I appreciate that. Yeah, that's really. And good I'm advice. sure Regan's right. I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, no, but don't get me wrong. I love the passion of Gabe and <laughs> just do it all. Let's well, make it all. But again, that is the. It's a joke. But Daryl doesn't sell stuff. He holds on to it because he. You get, you get attached to it. You work on it. You take care of it. We've talked about this. You bring an old thing back to life. You clean it up, and it mm-hmm. it's it becomes somewhat special to a different degree. Yeah. And the only thing I've ever known him to sell was a car he didn't finish the project on, and it was still a roller, essentially. I don't see you selling this car uh, ever, probably. So no. you know you might as well do it right and get it all done, and you don't have to worry about it. But to the other extent, if you don't have the time, like Regan said, do the quick and easy, see what happens. I might get lucky. Yep. I don't. I, don't know. Know. I never do. I never buy. No. Buy a lottery ticket first, and we'll see. <laughs> well, you could also do the whole compress the pads and the calipers and push that dirty hundred forty thousand mile fluid back up through the master cylinder, and then the master cylinder's junk. Yeah. So that could happen too. <laughs> so. it's, it's almost like you've been there. <laughs> time or two. All right. Uh, I think it's about time to uh, to look at what uh, what's making headlines, which means this segment is now called the news. That's our news theme. That's, that's that's excellent. You like that? Was it a yeah. little loud? Oh, my my headphones are picking up a little loud and quiet here, Sorry. folks. Don't worry about me. So I got different headphones. So uh, sounds even keel to me. Does it? Maybe well, it's my headphones. I I, you and I have probably the same amount of wear and tear in our ears. Yeah, uh, but a lot of Bon Jovi. Oh yeah, a lot of Def yeah. Leppard. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna music. sign up for that 3M military. Your ears are messed up thing, so I'm I don't have good hearing. Wait, barrel. what's that? Is that a, like a test? That, no, I was in the army, so they gave you they gave us oh. all faulty hearing protection oh, yeah. apparently, yeah. and then you can sign up for a, a class action settlement and get some money. I haven't done it yet. I keep seeing things on Facebook, so no, I don't have good hearing. <laughs> no, but you have better headphones, I think. Uh, that could be. Anyways, our uh, our top story, we're going to look at local news here, and this is local by way of Detroit, by way of Chicago Heights, Illinois, because, well, that's where they make the Ford Explorer, and they have some stamping operations, but Ford says they're actually planning on scaling back some production this summer. Did you hear about that, Regan? Uh, no, I didn't, actually. Ford's preparing to trim production at four big assembly plants this summer in Chicago, Missouri, Louisville, Kentucky, and Kansas City, according to a new memo that's been circulating uh, to hourly employees, uh, as referenced by the Chicago Stamping Plant employees, which feeds all four of these plants. Chicago Stamping is going to be implementing a week-to-week temporary uh, layoff starting Monday, June 20th. That layoff will continue through September 11th with the plan to call uh, full-scale production back on the 12th of September. The memo offers employees the opportunity to volunteer for temporary layoffs, which could extend into the summer months. The temporary layoff is likely to appeal to employees with school-age children who are off from school. I like how they have that, you know. That that assumes you want to spend the entire summer with your kids. <laughs> I mean, there's probably some that do and some that, like, get me out of here. Um, but I guess the layoffs, I, I did a little digging because I, I didn't historically hear that. You hear a lot, a lot about the uh, Stellantis, I keep wanting to call it Chrysler Jeep plant, uh, up in Belvedere mm. and rolling layoffs here and there. Seasonally, that seemed to be kind of a thing. Ford, you never really heard about that. Mm. Um, but the layoffs are actually part of the company's Ford Plus turnaround restructuring plan, and that was the one that was, I guess it was announced when they talked about spinning off part of their EVs and their traditional ICE business and kind of going two separate ways. They were also in that same... Um, kind of press conference, they were talking about selling EVs direct to consumers and kind of getting rid of the dealership experience. 
that's a whole that's a lot to swallow. So, anyways, that Ford CEO said that whole thing is to basically restructure Ford into the EV world and bring the workforce more in line with upcoming consumer demands for more EVs, less internal combustion engine vehicles. So, uh, thoughts on that? I'll throw it to Regan, just being in the automotive industry. What do you think about that overall? Uh, is I'm, it just seasonal, normal stuff, or I don't know. This day and age, it's hard to tell. I mean, with uh, supply constraints due to COVID for the years over the past couple years, um, chip shortages, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you can go on and on workforce engagement. I mean, we've got another topic we're going to talk about from another manufacturer. Um, it's hard to read into these things anymore these days. Mm. I mean, do you take it for face value of how they said it, how they presented it, or do you read into it? In my opinion, no. I wouldn't read into it too much. I'd take it for face value and expect the tide to turn when the weather does. I mean, it's... It's like you said, does it have anything to do with electric vehicles? And is it uh, putting a bug in the consumer's ear? That's the direction we're going, et cetera, et cetera. Or is it seasonal layoffs that we've been doing since the 70s? Or is it because they're out of chips and they don't want to build any Ford Explorers without seat heaters? Right. In my opinion, it's all of those. Yeah. So it's, it's really hard to read into any of these statements anymore these days. It's, it's yeah, it's tough. Yeah, the world is definitely topsy-turvy right now, and uh, this is all hearsay, but a buddy of mine was talking to me the other day, and he's saying, we're becoming less globalized as industries. You know, we're seeing more things produced in the U.S. and, and done here because you just can't rely on other countries to either make stuff and or get it to you logistics-wise. Um, so I agree with Regan on that end. And for, for those of you who are like me, I took a minute. The, the ICE stands for Internal Combustion Engine, not Immigration Customs Enforcement, because there are multiple <laughs> multiple things you could be doing here. Ice. So <laughs> talk about ICE. Yeah, I just wanted to clear that up because I was looking at that acronym for a while while Daryl was talking. <laughs> well, yeah, the other thing is there's too much volatility. I know last couple years with the chip shortage, you know, there were F-150s that were sitting in the Rouge factory yeah. half done. It's kind of, yeah. They shut the plant down for I don't know how many months because they're just like, what are we doing here? Uh, but then they later, Ford was one of the ones that started storing vehicles half, quote unquote, half done. I was not half done, but they weren't 100% ready in mm -hmm. the dealer lots. And the dealers were saying, this is crap because we've got half the, you know, half the lots with escapes and explorers that can't really be sold until they get this module or this chipset for this. And we have customers looking for stuff and they're like, what do you mean you can't sell me an Explorer? You got 12 here out back. Yeah. So it really, Ford was kind of trying, I think, to do the right thing and get the stuff out the door so that it's a quick fix at the dealership, allegedly. Um, but at the same time, if they don't need to have all that overhead and plants humming, electricity, and paying for staff, yeah. why bother? I mean, it's uncharted territory, though, right? I mean, even two years later, it's still uncharted territory yeah. of how suppliers are handling this. And when you start breaking it down, like Gabe said, into... Uh, multi-tiered suppliers, third, fourth-tier suppliers, which are mom and pops in our own backyards. Mm -hmm. There's no, it, it's it's hard to really press those kind of suppliers because um, they are mom and pops. They're working on their local workforce. They're working on their local resources to get suppliers out to bigger stepping stones of the supplier tier. So, yeah, to Gabe's point, it is getting less globalized, and the resources are in our backyards, and they're not really. We're not ready. No, we're not. <laughs> That's yeah. what it comes down to. So, We've become lackadaisy. We've imported so much stuff for so long and relied on all of this shipping, you know, until something turns sideways in the Panama Canal. Right. But, uh, yeah. you know, like, we just can't do it anymore. Like, we, <laughs> it's a stupid aside, but my wife and I have been trying to order appliances from Costco for, like, two months. And every time we go on there and try to order the appliances, one of the things is out of stock. And I guarantee you it's just logistics, it's supply, it's, manu it's, it's the tiered system, and... 
who knows when it'll be better, right? I'm waiting on a bicycle part for over a year. One little bicycle part, which is yep. normally very popular, but they're, they've are they allocated their supplier production into producing bicycles, yeah, mm-hmm. not just the replacement parts of what I need. And that's what the manufacturers are doing, too. And it's not just the automotive industry, like Gabe says. I mean, last summer it was furniture, right? Yep. You couldn't buy a couch. Yep. Yeah. Heard all about that, where yeah. it, it, there was a shortage of foam and stuff. Yeah. It's, it, it's just one of those things, like, what do you mean there's a shortage of this? So, hey, but sh- we got toilet paper now. We do. <laughs> Let's we sure celebrate. Do. We do. Sure do. I'm actually going to. If you give us a review, I will send you a roll of toilet. No, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the well, shipping down. too much. <laughs> <laughs> now, hold on to that. You might need it. And yeah. an ounce of gasoline. <laughs> You're stretching, man. Uh, quite, quite and I'm deal. bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to expand our scope here and look at some national news. Gabe, you want to touch on Absolutely. what's going on at the yeah. general? So I, I, I enjoy this a lot. And when I became a kid, I don't know, the world's changed a lot. It used to be, you got to go to college. Oh, all the smart kids are going to college. If you don't go to college, you're not going to get a job. You know, do you want to be doing this or that? Do you want to be de- take, picking up trash? Well, first off, the trash guy's got a great job. Yeah, He's outside. He's got a union. Yeah. He Making makes good money. money. Yeah. A little so hot today, but... It is a little know, hot today, yeah, but... but um, the four-year degree isn't all it's cracked up to be, and GM is realizing this. Four-year is going to drop the four-year degree requirement for many jobs. Um, they're doing it for instead transitioning into traditional skills-based hiring. So what's better than a piece of paper that says, I sat in a class and got an A? Um, it's actually being able to do the job, Daryl. Um, so Tammy Golden, GM's executive director, diversity equity and inclusion, told Automotive News in a recent interview this, and uh, she's with the Detroit-based automakers, head of workforce strategy. Uh, They're implementing a new three-pronged approach in the hiring practices. Uh, First step, focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, It's part of their vision. The second focuses on workplace innovation, innovation, removing biases that impact employees' experience on the job. And the third step is workforce design, which focuses on creating clear pathways for employees to join the company that may not have four-year degrees, but have relevant real-world experience. Um, I think we've all known that person. Um, I knew it. He was a former brother-in-law of mine. Like, he was great in IT. He knew a bunch about computers. He was great at his job. He had a great job. He had no four-year degree. And what's happened a lot in the past is you've been able to get a good job potentially without a degree, but then they also kind of own you mm. because you're not going to necessarily be able to go up too high in the company. They're going to hold you back without having a degree, and also you can't go to other companies. So hopefully this, you know, again, does allow for inclusion. You don't just have to go rack up a bunch of student debt and get pushed into it by your parents. You know, I love skills, trades. I love all the things now, so... I, I love this topic. Um, sure. The company I work for is going this direction too. Um, I went to car college, um, but a lot of my coworkers uh, learn their skills in the shop. And um, I think I'm very lucky that my company has realized this, uh, maybe not as publicly, mm-hmm. but they realized it a long time ago. Um, and I think that's, again, to mention the workforce, it's the direction we have to go. Um, there's lots of other people out there realizing this that have been preaching this for a long time and i hate to admit it but elon musk was one of them i was gonna bring him up but yeah, you beat me he too. Was, yeah he <laughs> was very public about that yeah and he'll teach you everything you need to know about working for him um and then uh one of my favorite um uh proponents of this is mike rowe mike rowe works mm-hmm. i mean long he's time. been out there for a long time preaching this and it's common sense when you get right down to it i mean what does that piece of paper really get you um and the big key part about that, though, is diversity. And it's not cultural diversity, it's diversity of thought. And letting people come into these industries, and not just the automotive industry, but any other industry that formerly needed a four-year degree, um, that diversity of thought really helps expand your company and your workforce. And it's, it's, it's a big deal. And 
the companies that do this and start applying this, if they're true to their word, they're going to really benefit from this, I think. Well, I think, too, de- depending on where you – what walk of life you come from, what your passions, interests, education is, you know, up to that point – if you're going to college, everybody's coming out of a four-year curriculum. Everybody's pretty much had the same high school curriculum preparing them for college. They're going to come out, and sure, you're going it's to It's a cookie that. cutter, right? Well, to, to your point about diversity of thought, everybody's going to roughly have the same curriculum, same thought process, same, quote, experience, whereas you have somebody who might be really, really smart at you know mechanical engineering, drafting, stuff like that, or you have other people that have different skill sets in there's people, there's whole design teams that like put the seat fabrics together of, you know, like your, your cars and trucks, the ergonomic team that comes and designs Mm -hmm. the dashboard and all that stuff. You have somebody who's good at drawing and sketches that stuff out. A good, a good industrial designer doesn't necessarily have to go to school. They might take a couple courses or might be certified in certain types of programs to program the computer to design stuff. It's all of that sort of thing where you have that different perspective and different talents instead of everybody has that same kind of mold and background making the same decisions of saying, yeah, this looks good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, of course, because everybody's got that same frame of reference. I, I'm a huge fan of that, especially when it comes to um, industries where that matters, that values. Now, do I want somebody doing, you know, <laughs> building a space shuttle uh, or designing my Boeing wing on my plane that I'm flying in to really have, like, you know, more than a couple years worth of yeah, I'd prefer know. our autonomous yeah. driving engineers like have some you know some engineering chops. Sure, yeah, <laughs> sure. But in the automotive industry, especially the, the the back channels, the people that are designing all that, all the things that go into it, all the different components, uh, that really, I, I think it's high time we look at those sorts of things as maybe we need to drop. And I don't look at it as dropping a requirement or a standard or whatever. I see it as opening the door to other possibilities. Absolutely. Um, and there's some soft skills that are going to, that these companies are going to start seeing these individuals bring to the table. These soft skills are, are huge. Um, I'll give a personal example. I've had the opportunity to interview um, some of our latest candidates for my company. And one of our latest candidates is an intern for us this summer. And uh, um, he was a hibachi chef. Really? <laughs> now, Regan, how does that fall into the? Did he throw world? shrimp at you during the interview? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Like, hey, open was, your mouth. It was, I want at this the job. Bot- it was at the bottom of his resume, and I said, "Well, <laughs> let's talk about that. It's on your resume." Yeah. Well, it turns out he has amazing soft skills. He has amazing customer service skills. He understands everything from the preparation of food and how he could make somebody sick and why it has to be spot on to the entertainment factor of being hibachi chef, mm-hmm. all encompassing in one job. I mean, you aren't going to get that sitting in a lecture hall at U of I. No. You know, learning about psychology. I can't wait to see this guy get put in front of some customers or some other executives that are questioning why he made the decisions he did in his career. He's got yeah. it. He's got yeah. it, man. <laughs> so, yeah. That's yeah, neat. It is, it is fun, too. The, the more you get into your careers over time, the people that excel, the people that you enjoy working with, the people that get things done are the ones that do have those soft skills. Mm-hmm. Like being able to work with a group of diverse people or conflict resolution. Yeah, you know? exactly. People have got a retail background who might have you know worked for five years selling stuff to people at Best Buy. Eric would, yeah, exactly. I don't mean, Jeff, yeah. Eric would love this conversation. We and him talk about it all the time when I'm in his store. Like, hey, next time you're at the Hampton Inn, Drop a business card to the desk clerk because he's probably got some awesome customer yeah. service skills that would probably translate to a good service writer. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I can attest from ample personal experience is that you're not going to get much in college. And in this day and age, I mean, you're going to get stuff, don't get me wrong, but you're not going to get what you're talking about in college, especially not conflict resolution. So for those of you who don't know, I spent eight years in higher education and I've actually taught three years, four courses of collegiate level education. And it's a crapshoot. I mean, you could get a great professor <laughs> yeah. who's going to challenge you and be, be, you know, really teach you something, give you real world and book knowledge. Or you could have somebody who doesn't really care, maybe cancels half their assignments and phones it in for the rest of the semester. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, that, that might even vary from year to year, right. you know. Um, and we have all these new accommodations and things we give to students that if there's an issue, they just don't put up with it anymore. Or at the end of the semester. And I, I didn't work in higher ed, but I worked at a university. And I you know, have many colleagues that taught as adjunct faculty and stuff. Uh, other things nowadays where a student would get a grade at the end of the semester, they didn't, I don't agree with this. They yeah. contest it. Yeah, and they argue. And they and they would get overruled. And the professor would be like, well, this student didn't do this, this, this. They didn't show up. They didn't. No, the dean of the department says this kid's going to get a B and pass and move them on. Yeah. And that was, that happened on the reg. It was one of those routine things where a lot of people would get disillusioned. The professors, they'd be like, the heck are we even doing here anymore? Yeah, it's not what it used to be even 10, 15 years ago. But this is the classic, again, old guy complaint. Well, back in my day, <laughs> I mean, you know, not, nothing's the same as it was. I, you know? I benefited from those. <laughs> I also got denied, too. Right? Yes. <laughs> you know, the military is not as hard as it used to be. High school is not as hard. College isn't as hard. So, you know, how do we adapt as various industries, employers, and hiring? You just have to figure it out. Yeah. Well, shout out to Juan, our, uh, one of our summer interns. <laughs> yeah. Check that out. Who, who is going to Car College, by the way? All right. Yeah. I want shrimp right now. Thanks, Gabe. <laughs> Open All your right. mouth. So we, <laughs> 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 um, let's take a look at some international news. And I know we talked about it in the pre-show, and we talked about it at dinner, so it's old hat to the three of us here at this table. Bye, Patreon. Yeah, definitely. If you want to do the Patreon <laughs> uh, support, we will get you the access to that pre-show. And uh, there's really some good stuff in there. This week, we actually went a little in-depth. We're going to talk a, little, a, a, bit, a bit about this now. Wow. Uh, and this is a, an article that came out of Inside EVs, which we've used before. Uh, Scout electric SUV and pickup teased by Volkswagen speculatively rendered, which sounds like a very clinical headline. Teased speculatively <laughs> rendered. Wow. Is right. that like a fan poster of the new Fantastic Four? Like, I, we may or may not even want to think about doing this. Spy shots. <laughs> well, actually, they have a, a photo at the top here. The header image is... What looks to be kind of a big, boxy-looking, looks like a cross between a Rivian and an H1. It looks like a kind of squared-off cab, two-tone, three-tone. I, I thought it looked very retro Scout. It's it's kind of it retro did a good Scout. job. Yeah, with the uh, FJ Cruiser or old FJ40 top, kind of you know the different colors mm -hmm. in there too. So Scout, you might think, well, Scout SUVs, trucks, where does that name come from? If you're old like us, children. <laughs> Uh, you'll remember the International Harvester Scout, which was one of the original SUVs. Came out, I think, in like 60 or 61. Man, or... I don't know how long it went back. Yeah. Long made, time. It, made it up until the 80s, though, didn't it? Yep. Made all the way until 80 or 81, uh, until kind of the bitter end when International Harvester stopped making basically like civilian trucks. 1961 and 1980, Daryl. There you go. So we are close. We're in the, on it. We're in the ballpark. Yeah. And uh, so the Scout came out, and it was, it was really cool. It was actually out before the Bronco and the Blazer and everything else that we kind of know about here in the States. 
but they didn't really hang around too long. They kind of rusted out. Well, the Scout brand is going to be coming back with two electric vehicles specifically designed to boost Volkswagen's presence in the U.S. in the EV segment. Volkswagen's are going to bring back the Scout brand. I didn't know they bought the name, but that's cool. Uh, who, no, says, who says they did? Maybe they just... Yeah. I don't know. Isn't it trademarked? It's got to be true. Somebody has to own See, that, that. We didn't talk about this in the pre-show, but I'd be really interested in how this relationship started. Yeah. Knowing how many intercompany relationships there are in the industry these days, Like, what's the background here? Yeah, good point. An international harvester got spun off. It's Navistar now or something. And did that? it go to Navistar? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I think... Navistar has even like got ties to Caterpillar and other. They have lots of ties. Yeah, yeah, they're all over they're the huge. place. So um, the company known for the International Harvester Scout no longer there. Supposedly, Vito was going to use that name, and the German giant wants to build both of these new EV trucks around the 2026 model year, and they want to build them here in the U.S., possibly at a second manufacturing location that it might build next to the existing one in Chattanooga. We are just talking about Chattanooga. The vehicles will have all the features we've already seen on some of the rival models, like rear-wheel steering. Oh, so this would be a juicy one. Uh, adjustable suspension, solar charging, and vehicle-to-load level capacity. According to one report from Germany, the planned annual production target is 600,000 units. And even though it's going to be built as a VW company, the goal is to make Scout an American... Hold on. Sorry. I just screwed, I screwed this up. An American-designed, American-built product that's already on top of borrowing retro design cues from the original. What do you guys think? Is is the market here ripe for another EV truck and SUV to compete with things like Rivian? I mean, the EV is the new hot market, right? We talked about this last episode. We're here talking about it again. We'll probably talk about it every episode until we die. I, mean, <laughs> I think we've talked about it on every episode I've been on. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, EVs are just popping off. They're the new fad, and they want to jump in on the bandwagon. Is mm -hmm. this what anybody really wants or needs? Well, you have to have competitors in the space to make sure the product's good, right? But we've already got the Ford Lightning. We've got the Hummer, if you want to put that in the same category. Um, so unless this is at a lower price point or targets a different audience, it's just more of the same, right? And I do have a question about this. In the artist's rendering, it is a four-door Scout. But from my instant research on the internet here, Scouts were two doors. Did they make a four-door Scout? No. no so they're already no. just starting off on a point of blasphemy. Well, they did make a suburban-like vehicle called the Travelall or something. Yeah. So they should name yeah. this the Travelall. That was like a big Scout. Yeah. 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 And the only people that. that bought those were people towing like Airstreams or big stuff because yeah. they were pretty honking huge trucks. So I don't know. Maybe we need to put wood paneling on the sides. No, I think we need to challenge them. We say, hey, VW, what are you doing? <laughs> this is a travel all, not a scout. You're starting off on the wrong foot. Blasphemy. <laughs> in, email us in the Throwing Riches podcast, VW. <laughs> I'd love to hear from your marketing folks there. Exactly. No, I mean, Regan, what do you think? If you had a little scout, I mean, something like that to bounce around to your lake house or, you know, take a uh, take the lady to town here and there. I mean, would I got you, a Model would you, A for that. Well, you do. You <laughs> no, um... No, I, I think they're pandering. I think uh, I think their press release, uh, just what it says, it's an American name and an American company, and we're Volkswagen, but we're not Volkswagen. I mean, yeah. What are you doing? Come yeah. on. I mean, we've, we, we talked about this before. There's been retro SUVs out there coming and going for the past 20 years now already. Um, so is this just a flash in the pan? Is it their way to get into the, our American pool of electric vehicles? Is it... Is it the fad of the of the electric truck? I mean, I don't know. Is it? And what they say the release was twenty six. Twenty twenty six. So they haven't even built the factory. Exactly. Yet. This is talk. This is chatter. Yeah. This is more of a. 
Isn't this neat? Hey, look at me. Hey, look, Americans. We're the German car company, but we got your scout name now. Cool, huh? <laughs> We're going to build it next to our retro electric bus. Right. I just feel like there is somebody who's, you know, in, in Volkswagen's headquarters over in Germany. It's like, you know, just thinking like Americans just want some big honking SUV that, you know, just doesn't fit any other market, but that's their foot in the foot in the door, you know, because there isn't besides the Rivian, besides the the Lightning and the Hummer, which are realistically the Lightning loaded is going to be like an eighty thousand dollar truck. The Hummer's six figures easy, right? Yeah, I think we've starting, all kind of seen. So if they could put something like this out there for, I don't even know price wise, you know, fifty to eighty somewhere in that sweet spot where it's affordable, not going to happen. You don't think so? No, right. not going to happen. Not with that option list that they already talked about. Crab walking. Yeah, or whatever, exactly. <laughs> the four wheel steering. Yeah, and... who, who with who down the who on the street needs that? I mean, the rock crawlers. I get it. I mean, I've I've been out with some gnarly rock crawler guys, and they're really cool. But yeah, yeah. What if you're in the parking lot of Cheesecake Factory though, Regan, and somebody <laughs> and you hit the wrong button and your truck explodes because they're <laughs> crab walking on pavement? Yeah. <laughs> just, just go diagonally into <laughs> some poor guy's Mercedes, drop it off to the valet in crab walk mode, and just watch him struggle. Yes. <laughs> There you go. I don't know. You're the valet guy. That actually would be funny. That I would actually watch that candy can. If I want a crab walk, Daryl, I'm getting retro Bigfoot out. Remember? <laughs> Remember yes. on the TNN network when yes. he busted that thing out and that thing went sideways and everybody lost their minds? That's crab walking. I'm sorry, Hummer. I'm gonna put bring that. It. I'm gonna put that video clip in the uh, post of this episode, throwingwrenches.com, just so you kids can watch and appreciate oh, that. Man. Do you remember watching Bigfoot videos yeah. and stuff as a kid? Oh my god, it was like like football on Fox would be over, like the Bears mm-hmm. game was over, and then like you turn it on the, the Turner Network. What was it? The TNN Network. Oh, it was the it was the Nashville Network? Oh yeah, the Nashville. The that's yeah. what it was. And then boom, Bigfoot's on. Yeah. All he's gonna do is crush these three cars. And he's going to go sideways. And was it Roy Anderson's <laughs> Grave Digger? Yeah, the Grave Digger. Yeah. Remember Grave Digger? No, I didn't have cable. I was poor. Really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we had cable just because we were so far away from the city. Well, but, there you go. But, yeah, I, I get you. I didn't mean to go down that road with the talk about the scout. No, but <laughs> that's fine. It's uh, rabbit this hole. Not, this is not where the pre-show went. But no. But, and this is rabbit the, hole material. Right. Yeah. There we go. Uh, All right. On another note, too. Like all of these, like, ooh, new trendy things like yeah. autopilot and crab walking, they're in all the EVs, people. Like, they have the capability. They just don't even turn it on. Because apparently the Rivian can crab walk, they don't have it turned on. Like, it's not like they're developing something new. They're just giving it to you, which is probably a bad idea, as we discussed here. Individual controls of each side, each individual motor, right? Yeah. So you could probably find some. That puts a lot of stress and torque onto various things that may or may not want stress and torque, though, in a vehicle. I mean, that's fair. Typically, the wheels go together the same way, right, guys? Yeah. Cars. But but to bring it all back. um, Thank you. (laughs) I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I didn't get there yet. We we need a Regan Wrangler every episode. (laughs) But but again, it's just like the the press release that Volkswagen did. Isn't it all just to gather attention? It's marketing. It's ploy. It's yeah. Yeah, there's a place for that, and that that is at the end of the day why you guys have this podcast, and it is fun as hell to talk about. Yeah, and it is exactly. part of the automotive industry. Yeah, 
I'm sure someone at VW is looking at all the social metrics. Like, we released a potential sketch. Let's see what people think. I know? mean, oh, yeah, that's one, exactly what it is. One podcast picked it up. We're I don't, crushing I, it. I don't mean to get Toyota on you guys at the moment, but how many renderings of the Supra got released before the Supra came out? Yeah. And then once it was released, how was it released? It was like, eh, oh, Jalopnik is doing the drop on yeah. this? Or it shows up at a NASCAR race? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, I'm biased, but that was brilliant. Um, it's the same kind of thing. You know, it's just smart. trickling this out. Yeah, it's So smart. this is essentially like Access Hollywood type news where we're just like speculating on everything. We are, and currently, we're just, we are TMZ right now. Yeah, exactly. TMZ of automotive podcasts. Exactly. Yes. But you know what? We all had fun. We were all on exactly. for the Exactly. It sure is fun. And let's it? move on. I think, I think Eric would have hated that. I think. <laughs> yeah. He's listening right now, seething. I can see the steam. TMZ? What the heck? <laughs> Never on the show again. Never. All right. Um, well, we're kind of deep into it here. We're we're not quite into the woods, but we're getting a little deep. Uh, is it about that time, Gabe? I think it is that time, Daryl. It's time for your moment of Musk. Elon Musk could become the world's first. Wait for it. Trillionaire by Whoa. by twenty twenty four. Tesla CEO Elon Musk, whose recent business ventures include continued negotiations to purchase Twitter for $44 billion and opening a Tesla gigafactory in Austin, could become the world's first trillionaire. Trillionaire. I can't even say the word. It's so big, Daryl. He will be a trillionaire. I would like trillionaire. (laughs) As early as 2024. Uh, This is all based on Musk's current net worth of $263 billion with his year-over-year income growth since 2017. Um, So if he reaches this point, he will have a... uh, No, his current net worth is equal to the entire... GDP of the Czech Republic. So Elon Musk versus 10.7 million checks, and Elon is winning. Wow. And uh, if he's successful in becoming a trillionaire, he will have uh, wealth more than the GDP of the Netherlands, a country with uh, 17.4 million people and home to popular tourist destinations. Uh, the current world GDP is valued at $84.75 trillion, according to the World Bank. Anyone reaching trillionaire status will have a net worth of more than 1.17% of the entire world's GDP. But at least he's nice on Twitter. Uh, the tri- the soon-to-be trillionaire says this gem of a treat. The tweet, words are beautiful. <laughs> words certainly hit hard, Elon. <laughs> and that is your moment of Musk. Thank you. Thank you, Gabe. Well done. Well done. Yeah, uh, trillionaire. That used to be, do you remember like years ago talking about like the $1 trillion debt and everybody was like, that's, all, that's like, I can't even fathom that. That's impossible. Well, now with everybody's <laughs> being billionaires and stuff like that and like the Bezoses of the world and whatnot, like the trillion seems like billion used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it just seemed like we skipped over billion. Like we went yeah. from millionaires to trillionaires. Do you, I, I can't even fathom how much money. A trillion dollars would be. And the fact that someone, an actual human being on planet Earth, <laughs> not fictitious, <laughs> actually could have a trillion dollars net worth. I mean, he kind of is like the evil guy, isn't he? I mean, isn't how like most of society portrays him as like that evil scientist guy yeah. anyway? I mean, he's like the mad scientist. Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't really try to hurt anybody, but he's so crazy. He's yeah. like, I'm going to make a flamethrower. Here's yeah. a fl-. Like, what? No. Yeah. Well, I put in here in the notes, I said, the dude is seriously turning into Bruce Wayne, except without the cape and the cool backstory. Okay, you went positive, I went negative. But yeah, you're right. Well, well, I mean, he is, I mean, yeah, I guess Bruce Wayne's kind of pot. Anyways, he, he's just, 
the whole thing's weird. But for example, they're talking about building stuff in Austin. The big news that dropped out of Peoria today in central Illinois was that Caterpillar, uh, of course, hometown for uh, for to Peoria for a long time. Caterpillar's world headquarters got moved to Deerfield back in 2015 as a result of some business decisions and you know things like that. A new CEO, Jim Uppleby, took over, and uh, they had just made the announcement today they're going to be moving the world headquarters of Caterpillar to uh, Texas. And that's kind of not a big surprise, right? We kind of saw that coming for a while. But I just, for example, I looked up how much the CEO of Caterpillar's net worth is. $81 million. Yeah. That's still very, very, very successful. Yeah. And that's his net worth. That's not like everything else that comes along with being the CEO of Caterpillar. No. Right. Yeah. Right. No. And I'm sure that's a big job. I wouldn't want anything to do with that. There's a lot of stress and headaches that go along with that. We're talking a trillion dollars. Trillion. Trillion. Well, he's got multiple companies that he's basically the CEO of, right, or owns and has created. It. The Boring Company. Yep. SpaceX. Yep. He's got the uh, solar company that do yep. uh, solar roof tiles I, and I generators. was in Austin last fall, and Uber drivers were excited about the Gigafactory. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's big news out there. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine. I mean, look at us here with Rivian, and there was the talk of the Samsung battery factory opening here, which didn't end up doing it, I guess. But uh, it's it's big. It's big for property values, for jobs. Everything's going to go up with a big yeah. company. But, yeah, uh, Texas is apparently the place to be. It Everybody's is. going. Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's where Rogan went. Uh, speaking of things that grind my gears, uh, a friend of the show recently shared a story on Facebook over the weekend. Uh, they took a little road trip, and uh, the lovely Illinois potholes and the conditions of the roads that we travel on every day, caused two flat tires in short short order. One of them, of course, the actual tire on the car. It's a low-profile car uh, tire. A few miles later, spare tire got taken out, just annihilated, right? And this is a guy who maintains, he's a gearhead, maintains his stuff. So I'm like, well, shoot, that's kind of scary. And whenever I see carnage from the roads or barely miss running over a crater on the way to work, all I think of, and a lot of my friends mention this too, Hey, what about all the money? What about all the windfall of cash that Illinois was going to make from medical marijuana sales? Remember that? That was going to, oh, it's going to fix, plug all these holes in the budget. We're going to fix all these things and get things back in order, right? <laughs> you know what we got instead? What did we get? We got Mike Madigan indicted on a bunch of federal charges. <laughs> 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 Where do you think money in Illinois goes, Daryl? <laughs> I mean, they do have some deep pockets in those suits in uh, Springfield. Uh, Chicago, you mean? No, oh, that, too. that too. Although the last couple of guys that got indicted, I mean, yes, there was... Blagojevich, who's lived in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, there's also Ryan. Wasn't he from Kankakee? I'm sure he moved to Chicago. Who was the other? <laughs> they all passed through Chicago sooner or later. Yeah. Something the Chicago way. No, Who's the no. other guy? Walking Dan. Dan Walker. Oh, and he he was another guy. I think he was from. He's probably from the suburbs. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, I just did a little digging, and I'm not like an investigative reporter, and I don't like know what I'm doing half the time. But I looked up how much money the state of Illinois brought in from recreational marijuana sales in 2021, last full calendar year, and it actually doubled from the previous year, which was the first year they started, 2020. Uh, $1.4 billion in revenue from local dispensaries and uh, lots lots of money there. $1.4 billion. So I'm like, well, I wonder how much of that is being allocated into the roads. Well, I went ahead and did a little searching on the Google machine, and I found out of all the states, and I think there's like 13 or 9 or something like that, of all the states in the country that legalized recreational marijuana use in the last few years. Only one actually has a budget allocation for transportation funding, roads, you know, bridges, all the stuff we hear about crumbling infrastructure. You guys know what state that is? Hawaii? 
No, <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Dakota's got some beautiful roads, but I don't think their their marijuana is legal. Dakotas are nice. Yeah. Uh, it's actually Michigan. Yes, Michigan. If everybody <laughs> remembers that old campaign. Michigan actually appropriates 35% of all medical mar- medical and recreational marijuana sale money uh, proceeds into transportation funding. That's pretty impressive. So I looked up Illinois, and here's how we go. The funding for Illinois, that revenue goes to first fund administrative costs, because, you know, there's a lot of administrative costs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Selling, Especially in Illinois. Yeah, always. Then the remaining revenues get distributed as follows. 2% to a drug treatment fund, 8% to a local government, yeah, 25% to criminal justice information projects, 20% to the Department of Human Services Community Services Fund to address all kinds of things at the community level. Kind of vague here, right, guys? Uh, mm-hmm. 10% to the Budget Stabilization Fund. Mm-hmm. Not sure what that is. Mm-hmm. And then they have 35% funding of any remaining balance to the General Revenue Fund. That's just general <laughs> so, offers. So wait, how much of the percentage was to the roads that you uh, read? In Illinois? Zero. Uh, That's okay. zero. Negatory ghost rider. <laughs> so in fact, I found with people driving less, more fuel-efficient vehicles, EVs. And I think it's really time to maybe take a look at how that funding formula for the road roads and uh, bridges and everything else we drive on every day, um, I think it might be time to take a little different look at that. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think the, the rising gas prices might also fo- force people to just drive less, so you got less tax revenue coming in from that. It just seems like, what's the next plan for infrastructure funding? Because, I mean, just driving over here tonight, construction on bridges that have been decaying and falling apart. I mean, what? what how do we fix this if all these new funding formulas or new programs we put in there to try to raise revenue isn't funneling money back into transportation funding. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this in the pre-show again, uh, but um, you hit the nail on the head is the infrastructure has to change, not just fixing our potholes and keeping our bridges up, but we're trying to switch to a whole nother uh, fuel supply for our vehicles, which is electricity. Um I mean, I think that's maybe what you were getting at, Daryl. Yeah. But um, I was taking the scenic way. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, that seems like a natural progression there. Look, we have this new source of revenue that's mm-hmm. probably going to be around for a while, and if anything, get bigger or at least stable. Um, why don't we put it into this other project that we would like to explore before it gets too late? That would be nice. I.e. electrical infrastructure for electric-powered vehicles. Yeah. So when they're rebuilding and redoing our roads, they could put the uh, wireless charging in. They, it's all the new rave, right? Yeah, I mean, um, how many, I mean, I drive between the north and the south part of this state at least once a month, sometimes two or three times a month. Mm-hmm. And compared to other states that I drive through, we're crap as far as the infrastructure goes to support these these uh, electric vehicles. As soon as you cross the border in Wisconsin, our neighbors to the north, um, you can stop at any given Culver's or McDonald's off of Interstate 9094 and plug in your electric vehicle. Yep. I don't know of any charging stations between here and Chicago in Illinois. I know of zero. If there's some out there, you know, respond to the to, to the address for the podcast here, but I don't think there is any. And as you drive across these freeways that are getting, you know, I'm going to put air quotes, rebuilt, <laughs> um, you'll find that every other rest stop in the state of Illinois is closed for no reason. Yep. No, um, it's because they don't have the funding. Oh, yeah, the funding. <laughs> right. That's why. Where'd yeah. That go? Oh. But the Money. ones that are closed, some of them are getting rebuilt in okay. accommodation with the pothole patching that they're doing out in front of it. Hmm. Throw in a charging station. Yeah. But again, we need the revenue to do that. And 
God bless you, where we would find something like that. I don't know. Maybe if it was some sort of program that everybody was taking advantage of. But what you read off, though, clearly shows that we're going to help anybody that has a bad time personally as a result of using medical and or recreational marijuana. Yeah. Okay, we got that covered. We got that covered, for sure, for sure. Well, if anyone else has some good ideas on how we can get some road funding or maybe, you know, some decent folks in Springfield, uh, info at thrownwrenches.com. Love to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, that's pretty bad, Daryl. But have yeah. you seen old people drive recently? Because that's my grinding the gears. You're grinding the gears. Wow. You had, and wow, I actually shoved it in the middle of yours because I didn't know yours went on so long. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just long-winded because I am an old person. No, go. I'm and sorry, Gabe. No, go no, for no. It. And so what do you this, mean by old people? I mean, like in the mid-60s, there's this point where you just, they stop caring about the rules. They think, I've been through this enough. I'm older. That starts I'm just, in the 40s. It yeah, might start, it started, but it must yeah. really must really <laughs> hit in the mid-60s. Because um, I think my mother's there. <clears throat> she doesn't listen to podcasts, so we're safe. Hi, Mom. Yeah. But it's the, it's the fact of everybody else is going to have to follow the rules. But I've been through this enough, guys. I'm just not going to listen anymore. So I'm just pulling into Ace Hardware. And it's, it's got unidirectional parking, right? You have to park the way you pull in. And then you pull through the other side and leave. You can't pull in the other way and park. So you shouldn't be driving that way. And they're giant arrows. But I'll get out of the way and go park and just wait so that I can actually get a spot so some 65-year-old woman can just drive through and, sh- and shoot me a dirty look like I'm doing something wrong. Like you're the jerk. Exactly. Like, how dare I drive <laughs> the correct way with giant arrows? And, like, everybody makes a mistake, but, like, no, not like that. Yeah. I'm sorry. That ground my gears pretty bad. I wanted to vent. I kind of can't wait till I'm there. Just to, well, yeah, to not care. They know they can get away with it. I know. What that's am I going to do? what I'm do? talking about. I'm re- am I going to flick off this old lady? No. She'd probably flip you back. Maybe. She she might pull out a piece or something. What was with, because there was a similar thing, and I didn't mention this uh, when I was setting up the show when you guys got back. What was going on with the old guy in the truck in the parking lot of the four? uh, Oh, yeah. What was that? Yeah. There there was was like blocking the parking lot. Oh, when we were leaving? But I think he wanted your spot. He wanted my parking spot. And then a car pulled up behind and wanted it. And I was trying to wave the car around so the guy who was there first could get it. And I was trying to get out to follow Gabe. They couldn't pull in the parking lot because Regan was there. So literally, (laughs) there's like a four car jam. And eventually, they backed up and I just got out of there. I said, You guys deal with it. He used that Rivian power and got the hell out of the way. Just just (laughs) goosed it. I actually put it in launch mode to leave the parking space. Drop the hammer, Harry. And it went, No, but he was actually trying to. He was trying to find like the perfect spot for his F one fifty in the parking lot when we were we were getting ready to leave. Big truck, small parking lot. And I don't know if he wasn't fitting, wasn't happy, or was just looking for something better. But it was one of those things like instead of just putting in park and getting you know going and getting your barbecue and just being done with it, he's going to inconvenience everybody, including people on the street trying to turn onto the street. That whole thing. Yeah, and it's the Seinfeld episode too, right? You can't, oh yeah, he's backing that, in the space versus yeah. pulling in the front. Who gets the space? I don't know. It's, so I had a similar experience, Gabe, and uh, my wife will laugh at this statement, but uh, I try to practice mindfulness now, now more than ever. But I, I got schooled once, a very similar situation <laughs> as you. I'm pulling into an Ace Hardware, ironically. <laughs> and um, the Ace. Ace is yeah, the place for terrible parts. Exactly. <laughs> so I got my blinker on. I'm waiting for a car to back out of a spot. It was, it was a busy Saturday afternoon. I'm waiting for a car to back out of a spot. So I stopped turn my blinker on indicating Proper. that that's my spot yes. right and this old guy is coming the other way and i'm dun, like dun, dun, i'm dun, like oh, dun, hell dun. no no way <laughs> so the car gets out of the way moves blocks me so that that guy has the advantage like i'm like <laughs> son of a and this old timer just starts doing the fake hand motion on a steering wheel and he sees me just go 
you know, make that face like mother, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then he stops and points at me and just starts laughing and just keeps going straight. Just schooled <laughs> so me. So he just was messing. Just, just messing with me. So, yeah. So hopefully that happens to you someday. Just, <laughs> just some guy burns him. Yeah. Like, maybe I'll just start messing with people like that old guy. Maybe, that sounds like yeah. More fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff that old people, retired people can do because they don't have anything else to do. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, what I'm saying. That's why I can't wait to be there someday. Gabe was probably running and running an errand trying to get in and out real quick or you're on your lunch break or something yeah. like that, right? Now these old folks are just like, nah, watch this. Yeah. I can wait here till I die. Yeah. Bring it whippersnapper. And I hope I do die. <laughs> <laughs> right here in the parking lot. Because yeah. <laughs> then you're not going nowhere. Yeah. You have to talk to the cops. I got you in the long game. Oh, crikey. This is called the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, all right. So this is the segment here that we like to call Cars of the Week. And if you're just joining us, we, we take a slice of virtual currency, the the giant slice of virtual virtual currency we all have in our fictitious bank a trillion accounts. dollars Musk money, yeah, Musk, Musk money. <laughs> oh, it's what was the other one? James oh. Vegas, James Vegas, and Musk money. Musk That's yes. Money. Those are our two catchphrases for this episode. Hashtags. No, we take our, our our virtual wallets and we go shopping. We go on Facebook Marketplace, eBay, sometimes even a local dealership, and we find a car that just speaks to us, and we say, "I'm going to buy that car." virtually and uh, somehow even virtually buying something gets us in trouble in real life with our significant others i'm not sure how that works it's but when your wife listens to the podcast <laughs> that might be it that might be it or your wife's search history on the you know the shared ipad is like why am i seeing ads for like four thousand dollar beaters don't worry about it sarah um so we actually all three of us picked a car of the week that we would virtually buy if we had all kinds of unlimited funds and uh gabe i'm gonna go ahead and throw it to you first because i think i started it off last week you actually have a very very beautiful vehicle that not a lot of folks get to see which no, it's not JDM, but it's pretty dang close. It is a 1995 Nissan 300ZX with the twin turbo and the five-speed. And I say it's not JDM because it's not right-hand drive, not because it's not a Japanese car, of course. It's cool. Um, I, I found this on Bring a Trailer, and it is it looks pristine. And I've always wanted a 300ZX. The lines are just beautiful on them. And I know they're relaunching the 400Z now. Is, is it a 400 now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it... It doesn't have what this has. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. And you, people probably say the same thing for, you know, the, the last Supra. I think it was the Mark IV. We're on the five now. Mark IV Supras were gorgeous. And I've always wanted one. So, you know, it's the twin turbo. It's the top of the line. And I will say, in the past, I would say I would only buy a twin turbo in something like this. But Eric actually changed my mind a little with his Supra. Um, I never even really liked that generation until recently, but I think it's grown in appeal and popularity and like the appearance mm. because you don't see them all around anymore too as part of it. Yeah. And his is an NA, um, naturally aspirated, and it's great. And I, the, you don't need the turbo, but to have the twin turbo would be pretty mm. sweet. It's icing on the cake. Yeah. So this one is silver. Um, it's got some customized rims on it. It's got the T-tops. I love T-tops. Uh, one of my buddies had a Camaro. His parents got him in high school with the T-tops. I love riding in that thing. Um, it's got a couple of tasteful modifications, but for the most part, it's just a gorgeous vehicle, black interior. Uh, it's listed on bring a trailer, uh, no reserve. It's got four days left. It's at 12 grand. Oh. That thing's going, wow. that thing's going for 25, 30, I think. But you guys, you guys kind of keep tabs on this, that segment of the market. These don't go for like Mark four super money. Though. No, no. Do I don't know why they never got there. Cause they're a rare, way more rare car and yeah. just as good of a performer. 
if not better. Um, it, just the popularity, yeah. popularity yeah. level. I mean, Fast and the Furious hit, and exactly. honestly, like these were cool before that hit, but after, or yeah, I'm sorry, the Super was before it hit, but after, man, yeah. the, the rocket, they spied. It was a, yeah. it was a, as a game day decision, probably by the producers of Fast and Furious, and it was probably between something like that or the Supra, and they chose mm-hmm. the Supra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could have gone mean, totally the other way. They had other great cars in that movie, too, oh, yeah. which I also love. Like, the RX-7 that was in it was gorgeous. They oh. looked like a mini Corvette. Don't say the GTI. What, I was going to say that Jetta. GTI? No. <laughs> that Jetta out of all no. of them. No. And the, of them. the Eclipse is terrible, too. Yeah. But the, yeah, the Supra, the RX-7s, like... <laughs> I might be going into Tokyo Drift territory here. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we should rank. We should like watch all the Fast and Furious movies and then rank the cars worst to best. Like total like, cars in the movie or not best that bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> now, good call. And I think uh, Regan, if you saw the thumbnail on this, it looks like some old still in um, like ground effects and yeah, stuff on I here. I did. Uh, yeah, it's kind of got the um, oh, who was a celebrity that drove the Nissan? Uh, uh, he had a custom made one. <laughs> Tim Allen? No. no. <laughs> it was an old race car driver, celebrity guy. He oh, a, Paul Newman. Paul Newman, yes. yes Newman sorry. was a disease. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he had one, too, that was all custom done for him. These things, speaking of crab walks, these things actually had a four-wheel steering option for a bit. I don't know if the whole run, but I think early on. Um, and I think it was one of those that people just took back in and had it disabled because they chew up tires and stuff was just kind of weird. But yeah. I, I love these out of all of the 300Zs. I think that this is probably the nicest looking, nicest handling. It almost has like European, almost like a Lotus type look to it. Mm-hmm. It's very sharp. It's gorgeous. And I can't tell you the last time I saw one in person. So yeah, I hope you virtually point. get this in real life. Yeah, like at a car show, maybe. Yeah. I, <laughs> I may buy one of these before I die. I, mean, I can't say I'm getting one anytime soon, but I've wanted one for like, what, 15, 20 years at least now. And uh, maybe maybe after the garage expansion, if that ever happens. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, do what our good friend Eric would do and put a small bid in that you're <laughs> almost ashamed to do. Uh, it it's go, already past my first. small bid. Really? Yeah. First. I just want to watch it. I don't know where the save button is. No, I'm sorry, Eric. <laughs> what was your bid? 2500 uh, Anyways. Um, so, Regan, you actually took it old school and went kind of way further back. And, yeah. And what did you wind up picking for a car of the week? Well, I got to redeem myself from the last time I was on when I picked a boat. So Wait, you picked did... a 55 Cadillac? No. No, <laughs> no. no Regan actually yes. picked an awesome boat with like two bazillion horsepower mercury outboards and stuff. I think it was the last episode. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, last time I was on, yeah, I, I went boat, and I think Eric shot me a glance over the computer screen. <laughs> like, this is a car show. But no, this time, um, uh, well, let me preference. I uh, I went with a 67 Camaro, and everybody's like, ooh, whoopie, yeah. dude, a 67 Camaro, come no, on. Oh, it's yeah. great. So um, my dad had a 68. Um, but now that the Model A is driving around the block, it kind of like... Well, what's going to be next? So my wife will love hearing this part. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. But um, uh, anyway, this 68 Camaro I found on Facebook on the um, Hot Rod Buy and Sell Trader place. Um, so it shouldn't have even been on this one. It should have been for Hot Rods. But anyway, it's a 67 Camaro, 22 grand. Um, but it's not like your retro mod, pristine, you know. It's got some body work. It's got some rust holes on it. It's got the original paint, blue with black stripes. It's an RS, 327, four-speed, Monty, M22 Rock Crusher, and the 12-volt Posi and the rally wheels. I mean, to me... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I had to do a Tim Allen. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's a 67. <laughs> he was actually just doing cocaine. So, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's not, you know, it's it's got a nasty little 327, according to the description, with some headers on it, and a four-speed. I that mean, sounds like on. it'd be loud. 
How do we I, feel about this, guys? I'm okay with the loud. That's, that was a pre-show discussion. But, loud's a safety issue. Yeah, so. loud pipes save lives. Yeah. But um, but no, I mean, everybody's like, oh, 67 Camaro, everybody's got one. you know. But but no, this one to me appeals to me because it's not a Restro mod. It's not a finished car. It's a driver. And it's in the price range, which I think some of us of my generation have always been saying that when our fathers are finally done with these things, what's going to happen to your $100,000 Camaro? And I think this Camaro that I found is the beginning of that. It's an example to me, at least, that there's okay. hope for us to still be able to get our Chevelles, our Camaros, our vintage, you know, big black Corvettes. There's still a chance, Daryl. I like that. And that's my attitude towards this particular uh, one that I found this time around. You're giving people hope. What <laughs> yeah, you're doing. yeah. I like what you said about you got the uh, Model A running, and so this could be like the new project. It reminded me of the stupid Star Wars thing. You can laugh, but you know the Sith. There's always two. There's always the Master and the Apprentice. So there's always you get the project done, and then you just line up the next yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. I'm already setting my sights on. It's like if I sell the Model A, how much money would I have in addition to some other money? No, if you do that, <laughs> she's gonna be riding with the neighbor again, bud. Yeah, <laughs> gotta keep neighbor, the A. Neighbor will show up in like a Hemi Cuda, and you'll be like, Oh man, I gotta get my Camaro fixed. <laughs> exactly Back on the road. Exactly what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Cool no. pick. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. But everybody wants them because they're great cars. They're iconic. They're fun to drive. They're like, timeless. So you can't just be like, oh, yeah. So, like, that's great, you know? Mm -hmm. But at least you want a different one. You don't want the same one, everybody else with their New Balance shoes. No, wait, that's Corvettes. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No, I, I think that's a great pick. Thank going you. Old and, it, and it is Father's Day weekend coming up. Dad yeah. has 68, so shout out to shout out to Larry in the 68. There, there you go. go. Now, did you go digging, Daryl, or did you find something towards the top of the well this time? I did find something, uh, probably one of the nicer ones that I picked. And I don't know why I searched this up, but I was just searching. I'm like, you know what I haven't seen in a while that I used to like as a kid? Cosworth Vegas. Oh. Cosworth Vegas were like the grand national of their time, where they were rare and kind of neat and unique when they were built. So a lot of people grabbed them and like tucked them away and put them in storage, and they were going to be instantly collectible. Mm -hmm. Turns out, even like 20, 30 years later... They're still a Vega. Still, <laughs> still a Vega, folks. Even with a, a kind of a picky, finicky fuel injection setup on a, on a Cosworth twin cam motor. But uh, yeah, they only made like 2,061 of these back in 1975. They were actually built in 74, but they couldn't pass emission standards, so they actually were held over... They got held back. Yeah. <laughs> you bought this special car this week. <laughs> well, 75, if, if uh, the older folks listening will know, 75's first year were uh, passenger cars in the U.S. had to have a catalytic converter. Mm. And so this whole thing was kind of bad timing. Good idea. Interesting platform, plagued with problems, and then some federal emissions mandates kind of helped make things worse. So they only made Cosworth two years. And the 76 have really cool colors. You can get like a hugger orange one and, you know. They had the Hearst the ones too, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, black they, and gold. They had yeah. some cool stuff. So 75s are all the black and gold. And they got this beautiful alloy rims. And they just, they got a nice little look to them. They look like a somebody put a, a nice Z28 Camaro in a shrinking, like a shrinking dink oven. Yeah. And just like shrunk it. Yeah, like a Berlinetta yeah, or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool lines to them. Uh, this thing is actually at a uh, dealership, and it's still wearing its factory tuxedo black paint and gold pinstriping. I love how they try to make like a Vega sound like cool, <laughs> like a Rolls Royce <laughs> tuxedo, finished in impeccable tuxedo black. Uh, what is it? It's a Vega, sir. 
It's like it's like serving a Totino's pizza roll on like China. <laughs> like, um, what what is what do we have for dinner, uh, Kensington? Oh well, it's, uh, it's the finest meats and cheeses in all the land. It it happens to come from a, a reputable source of the Totino's Pizza Man. <laughs> Anyways, this thing is a beautiful car, really low miles. I think it says what does it say? It's like under ten thousand miles on this thing. And uh, it still actually retains its electronic fuel injection. I believe it was a Bosch setup. Yes, it was. I, Super finicky. Are you familiar with some of that? A uh, little bit. I've never had the pleasure of working on them, but yeah. I have studied upon them. And uh, I also came across a Vega once in high school, a Cosworth. Yeah. And um, it was out of my price range, but I remember oogling over it and my dad saying, not a chance in hell. It's like, forget it. Yeah, yeah. this is stupid. It was probably like 3500 bucks. And my dad it. owned a Vega once, too. Did he? Yeah, not See, a Cosworth, but... It yeah. Let them make the mistake and then teach you. You don't have to repeat exactly. your father's mistake. Exactly, that's what he was doing. <laughs> don't but buy a Vega. There's a little used car dealership in Dakota, Illinois had one, and I just remember thinking, what the hell is this thing doing here? It should be here. <laughs> I could buy this. Probably doesn't run. Yeah. A lot of them, if you see, in the, you know, coming up um, for sale here and there, they've got Weber conversions on them. Just... And if you're putting a Weber on something to make it reliable, <laughs> that says something. So, yeah. no offense. I mean, I got a Weber on my Volvo, and it's it's, it's okay. So you want to buy this and not drive it, theoretically? I would, yes, I would <laughs> continue. And the, the picture, this thing's... great hanging on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> you know how your, your BMW would be nice, like a piece in your living yeah, room? Yeah, that's a tiny motorcycle. Well, this is a tiny Chevrolet. It is a tiny car. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Dealers asking nineteen nine. I think it's a steal. It's on eBay right now. It's a buy-it-now number. Maybe I'll offer them... Lowball it. Six grand. Yeah. See, see if they'll take it. 7,500. That tops. <laughs> yeah. That's my pick. Um, I think I think Regan wins. I don't know. Gabe, yours, yours know. is pretty choice, too. Yeah. What was I your... like everything but Daryl's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Said everyone ever. I'm, I'm proud that we all picked something in the same price range. Even though we had Elon oh, Musk money to play with, we went like still went traditional, realistic, like, I could see it. I could see myself. Well, that. the, yeah, prob- the problem with me, the older I get, the harder it is to fantasize about anything because I have to make it more realistic. And I'm like, realistically, I would never keep a car that's too expensive, right? You're just not going to maintain it. I'm not going to drive it. I, I want to even fantasize about something that's in the wheelhouse still, even though it won't happen. I had a car with a paint job once, and I didn't even like driving that. So yeah. A car with a paint job? Yeah. <laughs> it was too stressful. It was a pain in the ass. Paint's yeah. overrated. Yeah. <laughs> you got to wash it and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, well, you've done it again. You've vaporized almost an hour and a half listening to another episode of Throne Wrenches podcast. We want to say thanks to our special industry insider, four-time guest, and just hell of a nice guy, Regan. Thank you, Daryl. That was nice to say. No, very, very nice. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, Come back all the time. Uh, anytime you guys will have me, I will. I, I love it here. Um, it's been fun from the beginning. Uh, it'd be hard-pressed for me to tell you guys no to come back for any occasion. And uh before I go, a little shout out to uh, one of our fans, uh, brother-in-law, uh, Rick. Rick. Oh. A shout out to him last Rick. time. He'll check it out again. And uh, I also want to give an extra special shout out. Um, Eric's been helping um, uh, some of our friends in the industry, the uh, Keep It In Her Lane girls. Yes. Uh, running yep. their own podcast these days about women in the industry. So a little shout out to them too before I go. But uh, thanks again for having me. You bet. And uh, Gabe, anything you want to say for folks to look forward to? No, I just say uh, projects and projects and projects, car shows this summer. Let's have a good time. Info at throwingwrenches.com. If you want to send us a little email, you can also like us and follow us there on the Facebook and on TikTok. We'll put some stuff up there, despite what Gabe says about TikTok. <laughs> Get off TikTok. I should. I should. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'm Daryl Scott. I'm Gabe Casey. And I'm Regan. For Throwing Wrenches, we'll see you next time.